hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. No better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar series. Marcus Erickson wins the Indianapolis 500 in the most dramatic way. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. IndyCar Nation, welcome to your home for everything you need to know about the IndyCar series presented by NTT. I'm Jack Aroot. Also with us, TK, Tony Kanam, 2013 Indy 500 champion. And uh, TK, Portland, there were some surprises, uh, but overall, just another exciting seesaw battle. And we'll talk about the points for a moment, but the biggest surprise to me is lap number one. They drop the green flag and no chaos. Then we go lap uh, after lap after lap and no yellows. What is going on, my friend? Well, you know, I was, I don't know if I should be happy or disappointed, you know, because when things like happen and then the, the first corner you go, Guys, it's the first corner, it's the first <laughs> lap. And I, I think everybody was kind of like, obviously the front runners were coincidentally, a lot of the guys were going for the championship. So they're like, why we want to do that? And that set the tone for the rest of the field, in my opinion, Jack. And that was just, obviously, you see a little bit of uh, Lungarn actually passed power, right? And, and uh, moved. But power was kind of like, well, we can deal. We have many laps to deal with that, but yeah, everybody behaved and, uh, you know, uh, it, it was not a lot of action in the, in the first few laps of the race. You're like, mm, okay, let's see how it's going to play out. Obviously tire strategy played a big role, especially for Palou there, but, uh, which it took him out of the championship contention. But yeah, I was as surprised as you. I was like, I cannot, like, whatever happens, obviously, I was racing as well, so I cannot miss the start. Then I'll, I'll you know, I'll look afterwards. And and, and I made sure that uh, I came out of my race meeting just to watch. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be visiting with the president of the NTT IndyCar Series, Jay Fry, a little bit later in our little get-together today. One subtle thing that the, the IndyCar uh, officials did do is they adjusted – uh, the start procedure, uh, you know that mm, traditionally they would really attempt to hold everybody back until the entire field of 25 came out of the final corner. Not this time. They dropped the green a little bit earlier. So I think that most likely added to the sanity that we saw. But you brought up a very valid point is in the end, it was to me. Uh, just fitting that Scott McLaughlin, after winning the poll, would continue the domination that he had there. But in the meantime, it would benefit his two teammates. Will Power holds on to a to a slight advantage over Newgarden. And how about your teammate, Scott Dixon, rallying back? 
to finish in third. Technically, you could say he's tied for second, uh, 20 points back. But the tiebreaker would go to Joseph because he has five wins to Scott's three wins. This is going right down to the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But unfortunately, I think Scott's outnumbered on that. I mean, he did a remarkable job a few years ago uh, in Sonoma when he had to start it on the pole, lead the most laps and win the race, which he did. And Montoya had to finish sixth and Mont- uh, fifth and Montoya finished sixth and he won by a point. Um, it could happen. I think the championship, it's pretty tight between those three guys. But I think Penske sent a message uh, this last week. They are having been sending messages, but a question that I got asked uh, on social media the other day was, don't you think McLaughlin sh- should have let power buy? Which even Dixon mentioned that on the radio. And I think this is my take. I think Penske did the right thing. I'm not a fan of you know favors like that. But when you're playing for the championship, you might play that card. But Penske is so confident. Because why did McLaughlin didn't let uh, right. wheel buy? Because they have they have it covered. McLaughlin's gonna be the perfect teammate for this last race. Penske has two cars in the championship against one. So for Dixon to beat uh, Power and Newgarden and McLaughlin uh, to put enough distance, even if Dixon wins, those guys are gonna have to finish behind or six, seven, or eight. All of them, I don't think that's going to be possible. So it's going to be really hard. So I think that's the reason why it was no team orders. That was the reason that they let everybody race. Will still second. McLaughlin is not going for the championship. He was not. It was not a championship contender taking points like we talked about it in the last show. And at the end of the day, uh, I as much as I want personally because he's my friend and my <laughs> teammate Dixon to win. I think this one he has a you know, pretty hard for him. Well, and look, I think when we get back together to celebrate the championship, when we examine it and distill it out, uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Scott having some disappointing qualifying efforts that forced him to, you know, battle and claw and race his way to gaining as many points as possible. But I want to go back to one thing that I want your expertise. I'll confess that I'm not sure. You know, we both preach all the time testing it's just testing but i found it fascinating that team penske they tested at portland chip ganassi did not ganassi choosing to test at laguna seca instead right off the trailer all three of the team penske chevrolets were potent and most the conversations uh you know in and around the paddock area were well we, you know what do you expect they 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 got the package together and right off the truck they were fast does the does the worm turn now because penske did not test at laguna have they played their strongest card to put them in a position to make dixon have to chase the way he's going to have to do at laguna seca i think that was the that was the mentality for sure to let, if you have the advantage, let's take it right away yeah, instead yeah. to leave it to the last race because something can happen. So Ganassi went the other way and said, you know, we have a guy that can deliver at the end. Uh, I think at the end, Jack, um, it's, it's a 50, 50. I, I don't see an advantage one way or the other. I mean, 
Penske got the advantage there. Ganassi might have the upper hand in Laguna, but Penske's been so strong. Look at their championship. Oh. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like they step it up, Chevy step it up, and and uh, it, it's it's not just that they got there by luck and now they got to play it. You know, I think. Um, let's face it. Um, now it's just it's you and I talking about from the outside as a race fan. Not that race racing is ever gives the win to the guy that deserves all the time, but as a team, I think they did a better job than any other team this year. Um, and the championship should go to them. So many questions. Let's start with this one. You mentioned Team Penske and Chevrolet. Uh, what a difference a year makes. I, I would have to say it was safe to say that one year ago it was Honda that had the what I call the series advantage. Witness Alex Below, the Spaniard, winning his very first IndyCar championship. But Chevy, right from St. Pete, you and I have talked about the fact that the engineers at Chevrolet went to work, did their homework, and they have produced a power plant that I think top to bottom with, okay, I understand, you know, you and Erickson uh, led the Honda Brigade at the Indy 500, but overall, you'd have to give the nod just based on wins uh, to Chevrolet in that regard. Do you think that there is, or could you give me on a one to 10 with 10 being a wide, wide gap, what the difference is between the two power plants as you see and break down the season? Yeah, I think Honda was ahead last year. And then um, with Ray Gosling going there. Yeah. Uh, he he stepped up that game. Ray was uh, Hunter Ray's engineer for years, but also he was an engine guy at Ilmore prior to that. So, and he was involved with Hunter Ray and Honda for so long that once Hunter Ray left, Ray decided to go back to Ilmore and I think brought a lot of things that he understood what the Honda engine had. It was basically, it was not a conflict because usually the, the manufacturers have... A non-compete. Have an, an, a non-compete, an agreement, but that was not the case. Ray was an engineer um, that happens to have been an engine engineer before that. So I would say Chevy has two out of ten um, okay. advantage ahead of Honda right now. And, and as competitive as this season has been, that two out of ten, any other year might have been 20 out of ten. All right. Next question that I have right. for you, and it's reading between the lines. Um, the Alex Pelot situation as it began to unfold. Now, I I'm going to preface what I'm going to ask you by saying, look, uh, I, I totally understand all that went into it and the efforts that whether it was Chip or Alex or Ganassi Racing as a whole tried to employ so as not to disrupt what I call the mental slash emotional side of things. But bottom line is, I cannot recall the last time that I heard the undisputed leader, Scott Dixon, speak out the way that he did in Toronto when this was at full boil in, in mentioning the fact that, you know, he thought that this was a bit of a disruption. And I think that's, you know, that's typical Dixie understatement. Do you think that having that outside distraction, that outside noise, had any sort of an effect on Dixie, Erickson, and Pillow, as they all were, until we got to Portland, still in the midst of the points championship hunt? 
It's hard to tell. Um, yeah. If it, nothing would have happened and they still had the exact the same outcome, what would we would be thinking about that would happen? We were going to say, well, Petsky, step it up. So uh, you know, one thing I've learned in life, Jack, you shouldn't give people reasons to wonder. And and Alex did give us a, re- a reason to wonder. So now we need to talk about it. We need to wonder. And and I don't know. I think Dixon uh, was actually not wrong in his comments. I think uh, when you're going for a championship like this, any distraction on or off the track, it's not good. Uh, we have plenty already caused by just existing, right? Just by waking up in the morning and having... <laughs> Having things that, you know, we don't know. So I, I certainly, in my opinion, didn't help. Now, does that hurt the performance of the entire team? I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. Um, uh, does that hurt a little bit of Alex's performance? Probably. I mean, disruptions are disruptions. But we, we it, you know, during the year, so many other things happened. Uh, inside the team as well that could be causing that. I mean, it happens everywhere. You, yeah. So I, I will not put my hand and say yes, but you have to wonder, right? I mean, it definitely uh, it was not. It wasn't, and it's still not a good thing to happen to anybody, to Alex, to Ganassi, to the series, to Zach, to McLaren, to the world. Uh, you know what kind of message we're trying to put it on, and 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 I'll go even further than that because, not to criticize what happened because it's not. I'm just actually making a you know a comment about it. Same thing happened in Formula One with Oscar Piastri, but right. for some reason, and we talked about this uh, in our last show, that situation was created. It's exactly the same situation Alex had. And it was solved in two weeks. Um, internally, though, which, internally, TK, you know, right. the, the F1 has an internal uh, contract right. review board. And uh, right. which we was, talked about it. It was exactly that somebody said he's on his rights. Shut up. Uh, whoever, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just move on. So uh, we don't have that. And this thing is still going to probably drag, um, you know, for I don't know how long. That, that, that's probably going to hurt everybody. It doesn't, Jack, it doesn't actually, it's not helping anybody. It's not helping the series. It's not helping the team. It's not helping Alex. It's not helping the sponsor that is in that car. It's just it's just a mess. So it's a shame. It's a shame. But I, again, back to your question, I, I, I don't, you know, I. it's hard to believe that did not, bother anybody in that team and didn't disrupt anything it would i would agree with you 100 percent. we talk about that uh contract review board in formula one uh, i've already written it down because coming up next the president of the ntt indycar series jay fry makes his very first and if i ask that question might be his very last appearance with you and i here on brick by brick I know. Don't wag your finger at me. I'll I mean, you you kind. get you got to today first. Like you knocked the guy out right away. So <laughs> hopefully, at least we have Jay for once. If you never get him again, I guess 
you know, well, no, no, no. I'll employ the Ali rope dope. Okay. We'll talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about things. And then when you least expect it, I'll float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Don't go anywhere. Jay Fry is on deck. We'll get to him on this episode of brick by brick. Quick pit stop. And then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's brick by brick. This is Eddie Johnson from NBA Today. When Lakers owner Jeannie Buss joined us on the show, she revealed the conversation between her father, Dr. Jerry Buss, and Phil Jackson on a decision to trade Shaquille O'Neal. Phil went in and said, you can't trade Shaq. And my dad said, I'm going to trade him, but it won't matter to you because you're not coming back as coach either. To listen to the full interview with Jeannie Buss, check it out on the SXM app included with all of our trials and popular plans. Just search NBA Radio. From the green flag to the checkered flag, we're discussing the hottest topics from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Welcome back. It is Brick by Brick. He is Tony Kanaan. I'm Jack Arute. And we are pleased for the very first time, by the way, TK. Uh, to we have the honor. The-, the honor. We are not worthy. He is the president of the NTT IndyCar Series, Jay Fry, front and center with us. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. I got to tell you, uh, I've been around, as you know, for a very, very long time, have covered all forms of motorsports. I can't recall a championship chase, be it NASCAR, short track, uh, Formula One, you name it. Well, F1 maybe last season, but as competitive top to bottom as the NTT IndyCar Series has been this year. Yeah, well, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's my honor. It's great to be on the show. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been um, an amazing season. I mean, I think if you look at it coming down the last race of the year, this has been actually the 17th year in a row where we've had multiple drivers and teams eligible for the championship, you know, for the, at the last race of the season, which is great. Um, I think we're the top five has been 41 points, something like that, which is the closest we've had in 19 years. I got all these great facts, right? All these talking points, which is really good. Um, but no, it's been, it's, been a really exciting championship um this year we said i think it's been like five fifty five hundred on track passes which um the record up until this year was like 4900 so we got one to go on that and that record's still going on so it's yeah it's been an outstanding year jay uh of course uh you know for our listeners that don't know you uh in stuff that you you do for us and don't take credit for it but uh i i, I want people to to hear obviously you came in a few years ago and uh, you made so many improvements uh with the communication between the drivers and in the car and on the safety side i think our biggest your biggest project was the windscreen and and how relentless you were and 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 made i correct me if i'm wrong but you actually made that happen because of your connections with the people at Red Bull at the time, and you are able to push that to the limit that today, I mean, you know, I know you're the type of person you don't like to trade credits for because you have a team, but I have to say, you don't say it, I'll say it. Um, thanks to you, we, we, we've we seen already a few times, uh, fortunately, uh, since we had the windscreen, how many lives we've saved. So how big of a project that was and how hard that was to, to, to bring it all together because it was... A, you know, a bunch of different opinions. Uh, the car is going to look horrible. The car is going to be heavy, uh, but now it's going to be a lot safer. 
you, we can do like everybody else. We can just do the halo, you know, all that kind of stuff. Explain to the listeners how, how hard that was. Well, well, thank you. Tony. It was an amazing project. We had worked on it for in-house for a couple of years and we kept getting close, kept getting close, <clears throat> but not quite getting to, to where we wanted it to be or, you know, across the finish line. So, um, got a little frustrated and decided to call, uh, my friends at Red Bull from, um, I ran the Red Bull NASCAR team for five years in the, I guess it was, I don't know, late 2000s. Um, but I called Jonathan Wheatley and Christian Horner. If you remember a couple years earlier, they had tried a kind of a windscreen type version, um, and, and proposed that to the FIA. The FIA decided to go with Halo. So when I called them, I'm like, guys, we, we need your help. We need something kind of like what you got that would fit on our car. Um, you know, how, how we can make this work, how we can collaborate. We just need your help. So it took about, I don't know, 24 hours or less. Um, Jonathan called back. He said, we're in, we're glad to help. Let's do this. We started the project. So that was in, um, I guess like March, April. And then by the code open test, the next February, we had the Sparrow screen on 26 cars for our first test of that year. So it was an amazing engineering marvel. I think it's a it's a work of art. Um, the guys at the Pankel um, actually do the upper frame, which is uh, pr- printed out of t- titanium powder, which is uh, spectacular NASA type technology. Uh, PPG does the actual screen. Um, you know, Red Bull helped put it all together. We worked on it. Delara was involved. Um, obviously, lots of you know collaboration with our teams too. So. Um, yeah, we're pr- very proud of it. Um, we still have, you know, it's an ongoing project. You know, we're still working on more cooling, you know, type things for the drivers. Um, but I, like you mentioned, I think we've seen a couple times where it's really, you know, thank goodness we had it on the car. Um, I know I certainly sleep better at night with it on the car. And, um, you know, we're just we're really proud of the whole project. Let's shift gears for just a second. I'm really interested because there are so many different uh, groups that you have to pay attention to uh it goes with the territory i get it but does jay fry ever sometimes lie awake at night and think that he's been commissioned to herd cats because everybody has their their own little agenda and somehow you've been you even with the arrow screen you have been very very successful at getting them all to check their individual agendas at the door and stay pointed in the direction uh, being what's good for the sport. Do you ever, do you ever doubt that now and again? Well, there's plenty of times to stay up at night, right? That's just the normal, uh, <laughs> normal things that we all do. Um, you know, when we first got here, we, we were, were another thing we were kind of, we're proud of that we put together, we put together this five year rolling five year plan. So it's something that we work with the manufacturers, the teams, the drivers, we have the cadence of what we do, where we're going, what it's going to cost, how it's going to work. So, you know, this year uh, we've got a team manager meeting, you know, 1st of October. We've got a driver meeting the 1st of December. We'll have an owner meeting the 1st of the year. And this will this will take this plan and it will continue to you know evolve and go. So basically at the uh, team manager meeting, we'll talk, you know, 20% about 2023 because we really already, 2023 is pretty, pretty much already done. But then after that, we'll talk about 24 and beyond. So everybody has input on what we're going and what we're doing and, if even if they get to if, for the point where they might not, you know, get what they like or what they wanted, they at least understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. So they, you know, appreciate that part of it. So it, that's been, um, I guess, something we're you know, proud that we were able to put together when we first got here. This is my, I guess, seventh season doing this. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's been a great group effort. We got a great paddock. We got, you know, we talked when I first got here about harnessing the power of the paddock 
you know, we've got some really, really smart people and I never understood why we weren't trying to use them, you know, together, you know, and uh, to see how we could make this work and how we launch this, you know, series of sport into the next, um, next big thing. So yeah, it's been really, it's been really good. Very, very proud of that. How challenging was it to come from the NASCAR community to an IndyCar community that was a bit parochial and you again were very successful in opening up their methods and ways of thinking about things. It wasn't that, you know, you think of, there was a lot of, uh, crossover, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that did both. Um, you know, there was a lot from manufacturers to team owners to, you know, teams, that type of thing. So that part was, you already knew a lot of people coming in and then, the, the other part is I was able to meet a lot of people that I had never really been around before, like with Firestone, Honda, that type thing. Um, but it, it was not that hard of a transition. And um, again, I think when we, we got here, the, the teams understood I come from a you know team background. I We started a cup team from scratch when I was 29. Um, so I'd been in their shoes. I understood um, when we spend their money, I you know take that very seriously and do the best we can to make it as economical as we can. Um, so I think that was, you know, I guess part of it was the coming from a team perspective and, and it wasn't really that much different. Jay, uh, since NTT got involved with the series, I think we enhanced the, the fan experience quite a bit. Um, I love the way uh, they introduced technology to the app and to many other things when you go to the racetrack. Um, for the fans, what can you tell us that is more to come? I mean, what's exciting that uh, you can actually tell us a little bit about uh, to what the future brings for not just the fans' experience, but you're talking about, I know we have, uh, I don't know if we can even say it, but we, we have the plan to, you know, to beat the track record eventually in IndyCar uh, at the Indy 500 and so on. What can you tell us? Well, I think it's they're a phenomenal partner. Obviously, you've been... Um, you know, associated with them for a long time. Um, great, great people. Uh, a huge honor to have them, you know, part of the series. I think if you look at really what's next, it's, it's a lot of uh, how do you package what we currently have? There's million, millions of data points that come off of the cars, you know, every lap, lots of things, lots of really exciting things that, that how do you package that and how do you show it to the fans and give them something to, um, you know, follow along during an event. So I think that's one of the biggest things they'll be doing is um, just what do we do to take what we have and craft it in a way that it's understandable and it's it's something, it's a cool visual for the fans to see. So that's something that's already been started. And I think there's much more of that to come. Um, when we talk about the 500, um, it was, you know, amazing this year. We had the fastest uh, pole. We had the fastest front row. And we had the fastest field in the history of the 500. So, um that was, you know, an, an amazing event. We got the new 2.4 liter engine coming in 2024, um, which will be 100 more horsepower out of the box. So, uh, like you mentioned, the, the track record, I think it's it's something that's certainly attainable in the next few years, and um, we're just going to keep after it. My partner here, Jay, as we continue our conversation with Jay Fry, president of IndyCar, counseled me against diving into the deep end because – it might mark twice that you're on the show first and last. You took it easy on him for the first 10 I, minutes. I, it, I, so took I, it, I, I took it easy. <laughs> so now I'm going for the jugular. We just witnessed <laughs> and we witnessed over on formula one, their contract review board, uh, putting to bed very, very quickly and efficiently a controversy between two of their teams as it applied to the services of a driver. We now an IndyCar are in the midst of litigating 
uh, where Alex below will be driving, whether it's for Chip Ganassi or McLaren. Why can't we in IndyCar have a contract review board and get it out of the courts and allow, as you say, the group of people that you've put so much faith in the people in the paddock to determine whether the contract's valid or not. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thought, and it's something obviously we've been paying attention to and following how they've done it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think if you look at our from an IndyCar perspective, um, our teams are basically independent contractors, right? right. So independent businesses, they they're, they're independent. So in F1, it's a little different than that, right? They have a you know a, a, an organization that type thing. So we're not saying we couldn't do something like that, even with us having independence from the teams right now. Um, the way they did it, I thought was quite interesting. And it's something um, I think we'll talk about going further. Like we mentioned earlier, um, when we you know have our off-season meetings, there's topics that are brought up. Um, if there's ways we can help as a series you know, to our teams, we always do, we always try to do. If this is something that they think would be helpful, um, there's no reason we couldn't do it. See, Jack, it wasn't that bad. No, you know? well, because he's a professional. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jay, uh, now Jack started it. So uh, when well, it's my fault. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got to see Jay this weekend, Jack. I got to take it easy. And actually, I was never going to get into it, but I guess the, the only person in my entire career that actually kicked me out of an office, it's here in this podcast, and it's not you, Jack. So uh, we can talk about it after, after Jay leaves, but you don't want to get into the boss, with the boss, especially Jay's a big dude. So uh, I was afraid. Um, Jay, when can we expect, uh, <laughs> when can we expect the new calendar to come out? Uh, soon. For so it's close. Um, I would say, yeah, probably next week, you know, or next within the next week, 10 days. Yeah. It's, it's very close to being done. It'll look a lot like this year's. If you, you know, that's one of the things we've worked mm-hmm. hard at is, um, data equity and venue equity, equity and you know, that type thing. So, um, if it looks a lot like it does this year, that's a good thing, right? I mean, we've worked hard to do that. You know, a couple of years ago, we got Nashville. That was new. That was big. Um, there's things that we'll do going forward that there might be, you know, something different, you know, like that, maybe, every year, every other year. Uh, but you really have to have the foundation, the base of your calendar and schedule to be the same, which is, again, a good thing with data equity and, and event, event equity. You know, we live in a global society, and uh, I know IndyCar and its predecessor and competitor way back in my day, uh, CART, you know, made forays into Europe, made forays into Mexico, et cetera. Uh, in the immediate next, let's say, five to six year future, uh, is there any contemplation of somehow exporting our product either south of the border or over to Europe, especially with the the number of expatriated Formula One drivers that have uh, renewed their careers driving Indy cars? Yeah, well, I, I would say never say never, but I right. we're obviously focusing on. North America, which obviously, you know, Mexico would be something that would be very interesting. Um, you know, that could be something down the road. Um, you know, there's, we're at 17 events. What's the perfect number? Is it, you know, 20? I mean, I think it, it, I think it really needs to be great events, not just having another race, you know, that type thing. So, um, it's something we'll look at. It's funny. It was, 
we get things and we listen to the fans. I mean, I listen to, you know, we look at uh, every day what they say and how we're doing and, you know, that type of thing. And it is all about them. So we, you know, they are our ultimate customer um, about older venues or going back to historic venues. And I think if you look at the last, you know, five, six, seven years, we've done that. You know, one of them is here at Laguna. We, we've come back to Laguna. We've come back to Road America. We've come back to Portland. We've come back to Gateway. Um, you know, we, you know, at Phoenix, we did that. Um, so there's been things that we're trying to do to um, go back to our history and our roots. And those events have been great. Um, so I think there's could be more things like that to come. Um, you know, again, there could be some other exciting things like Nashville that are brand new to come. Um, but at the end of the day, we really need to make sure we keep the foundational part of our schedule and calendar kind of the same. And Jay, uh, speaking of switching gears, actually a little bit, but going back to our roots, I, uh, I was at the medical center at the last race talking to the doctors, just, I was hanging out. Um, and they told me we're getting a new hospital unit like we used to have back in the day. Uh, can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, um, so we're building it right now. It should be ready, hopefully, within the next couple of months. Um, right now, they have a you know a small kind of pull along trailer, which is fine. It does its job, but we're going to have a fifty three foot you know tractor trailer that's you know their space that'll have their equipment in it that'll have um, things that we're able to take to the track to make sure everywhere we go we have consistent equipment. So quite excited about that. Doctor Billows and his team have been uh, instrumental in getting it. Um, uh, what's the word, but not built, but uh, organized, you know, the designed, that type of thing. So it's going to be really cool. So that should be something that's um, integrated into the system in 2023. Listen, we appreciate your visiting with us. I hope I wasn't too hard on you, but hell, I've known you long enough that you would have thrown me out of your <laughs> Anytime. office. Anytime. Awesome. <laughs> that was funny. No, that was, that was okay. That was, you know, that happened. And then by, you know, an hour later, it was forgotten about and we're good to go. I mean, that's just what's better. <laughs> we're all competitors. You know, things happen, it, right? It's, <laughs> it, it, you know, we have to agree to disagree, Jay. If we all agree all the time, we'll be right. so boring, right? <laughs> well, and we won't absolutely. make any progress. And we won't, guys, you, you don't make progress if you have an Italian committee. You know what an Italian yeah, committee man. is? The chairman finds yes, six sir. people that agree with him and he appoints them to the committee and they have one meeting. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, you don't want great that. respect for Tony. Yeah. Great respect for Tony on everything he's done on and off the track. Um, again, it was just one of those things that happened and <laughs> we went on from it. Jay, you're, you're, you're a great add to the IndyCar series. You've played a very crucial role in, a, in transforming a, a sport that all three of us absolutely uh, have a passion for. And I, I and I hope this isn't the first and the last time you visit with us because you bring an awful lot to help us and our, our listeners better appreciate all that goes into producing the NTT IndyCar series. Well, it's certainly my pleasure and honor doing what I do. And I'm um, certainly uh, thankful and grateful for you guys having me on today. And I'm glad to do it anytime. That's Jay Fry, Thanks, Jay. president of the NTT IndyCar series. See that? It wasn't. It wasn't as bad as as you were worried about in the previous. No, you be, you behaved yourself. You behaved yourself. Well, I'm proud. Uh, I, I, tr- I tried. <laughs> when we return, well, thanks for having when me. When we re- you take thanks, care. Guys. Thanks, thanks, Jay. When we return, Bye, it's time for us to break down what's coming forward, and that is Laguna Seca, the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey, and bring you some news 
that just crossed the wires just moments ago concerning Junko's Hollinger Racing. We all kind of assumed that it was going to happen, but you never, well, you know the old line, when you assume, you make never mind. They have formalized their announcement. We'll get to all of that when we wrap up this week's episode of Brick by Brick. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Starting this preseason, hear every NFL team's pre- and post-game coverage on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, TK, I, I teased it a little bit, but it's the worst kept secret in all of the IndyCar paddock. And that was the formal announcement uh, that just crossed the wires just moments ago that Junkos Hollinger Racing uh, are going to add a second car in 2023. What was not revealed is who that second driver may be. Now, anytime that you expand, in the general manager, the president, or the you know whoever the the lead dog is in his desk, he's got a short list. You don't just go out and hang the you know ha- hang the the sign out that you're looking for a driver. Well, what are the rumblings in the paddock? Who do you, who do you th- let's put it this way? Who do you think would be a good fit? Uh, you know, to join uh, what has been a a, a pretty successful. Uh, Callum Eilat operation, single car as it has been? Um, I actually don't know because the rumor was there, but nobody really thought that was, you know, I don't know if it was going to happen or not. So I haven't been, you know, too much talk about who could drive. My opinion, uh, Eilat did an awesome job. He's going to go to his second season pretty strong. When you build a second car like that, I wouldn't go with a rookie, uh, to be honest. Uh, because you're going to need some backup. Uh, I would go with a veteran. Um, there is not many veterans available. I am not definitely not doing it. Just so you guys know, don't 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 start that. Um, but I would say one name that I can think of that could help that team a lot, and which he was already doing it this year on the sidelines, could be Hunter Ray. Um, that would be a veteran that. I think it could bring a lot of experience that to the team. He's under contract with Ganassi. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Ganassi. He might need somebody to fill that seat uh, on the tan car. So I, I, I'm going to Laguna and I'm going to go in. I'm going to go to investigate that so I can have a better answer for you and our listeners next Wednesday. I promise. But um, so, so you're telling me your wife is packing your Sherlock Holmes hat for your Laguna trip. Well, I'm just going to talk to some friends that I know okay. mm-hmm. and pretend that I'm just curious and hopefully they're not <laughs> listening to us right now. <laughs> uh, before we get to Laguna and start to break that down, uh, it's interesting you bring up Ryan Hunter Ray because uh, certainly uh, you got to go back a couple of weeks, but I had him as a guest on Wind Tunnel. And I, I'll i be very honest with you, TK. Uh, I point blank, you know me, you know, just put mm-hmm. the dagger in right away. And I asked him how badly he wanted to get back to IndyCar racing. And he doesn't. No, he, I he, talked to him he, as well. Yeah. So, and yet, and when you first brought it up, he, he signed on 
and worked with Callum uh, at the Indianapolis 500. So he has that uh, Junkos Hollinger uh, relationship. You mentioned what could become that that vacant seat that's uh, currently occupied by depending on what the what the what the judges rule um, by the defending champion of the series, Alex Pillow. Um And I agree with you. But the big question mark is there aren't a lot of veterans around. Now, I, I no. just I, I just don't see anybody ship with that are veterans shifting any more than we already have, you know, with what's right. Well, right. But I mean, there are some rumors about, you know, Rusin Chris is not totally. That's sold. where I was. That's where I was headed. And I think and I think Zach Brown is of of the opinion that if if everything works out and he could do that, uh, they can, you know, bar- they can borrow food. him. You know what I mean? Just right. keep Felix there and it will be free for Junkos. But I also heard that Felix was putting a lot of pressure on Zach. Obviously, there's still have a bigger fish to fry with the Palu situation that, you know, maybe to let him out of his contract that maybe Junkos can actually hire him. I've also heard another rumor that, you know, maybe Harvey was going to be out because they were not pretty, they were not happy with with his situation. I mean, his his performance this year. Those are just rumors. And then that Felix was going to go there. If that happens, maybe Harvey could move. There are so many. I mean, this is all. It's all hypothetical, right? Just Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that I know anything more. I'm just actually creating some, you know, some topics that we can talk about. But well, let's, I let's promise use you, the, I'll be there this weekend. The, Let's use the disclaimer. All that you just listened to is rumor and speculation. Very little right. backup to any of it. Sirius XM, IndyCar, and Tony Kanan and yours truly, Jackaroot, take no credit for any of it. Nor right, can I, we. Like, no, no, don't hate me for what I start something. This is the stuff that I've heard. I'm not actually starting anything. That's right. I've heard in the feather. So. All right, let's go to Laguna. Uh, a, a racetrack that 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 absolutely I I loved because the character I, I loved you know the the way that it, it it goes up the hill and down through the corkscrew that tight left hander at the end of that uh, of that dogleg straightaway that brings you back up the hill lap after lap and the racetrack is worn out and I don't mean that in a negative way you're you 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 aren't going to get the grip everywhere on that racetrack that you want for two reasons, the age of the pavement, but the more important reason, and I don't think unless you've been there, TK, anybody, a fan can appreciate the, the slightest wind and, and the sand that's almost like sugar that, that just will coat the racetrack. So getting those Dr. Feel good firestones, all four patches on the ground completely in one complete lap, that's a dis- difficult prospect for engineers. Yeah, I mean, it's a very challenging track. It's, yeah. it's like you said, I mean, th- that track will change from one gust of wind just because of the sand. So uh, the tires were always an issue there, not because of the tires. It's just the nature of the track. It's, uh, uh, you know, an abrasive asphalt, but also old. But also it changes every you know, every lap. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, the outcome. I mean, as we know, we saw a great race there last year. Grosjean was killing it. Um, a tie strategy is going to play a big role again uh, in this race. So we'll see what's going to happen for sure. 
You talk about strategy. One of the things I noticed, and maybe I just underappreciated it this this season because there was so much action, are the decisions that have to be made on top of the pit box. And they have to be made not in real time and not in reaction, but more or less in a proactive role. You can go in with the very best plan. You can have plan A, B, and C, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, an aborted start, uh, you know, an extended caution, or as in the case of Portland, uh, a nonstop event without cautions early on. And, and and that engineer and strategist have to make a call on the fly when that happens. And I think it, I, I think my opinion is, and I'll, I, I offer it to you that Laguna is that type of racetrack where there's going to be decisions that have to be made on the fly. When you're strapped in that IndyCar cockpit and and you get something, and we we heard Joseph Newgarden questioning, uh, you know, the the, the tire strategy when Tim Sindrick uh, at Portland, I see no reason why not to expect more of the same. So how does a driver react to it when something comes out of the blue? Because you're so myopically focused on trying to get the very best lap, lap after lap. Yeah, you know the way we react, we overreact yeah. because uh, we don't know what's going on. Pretty much most of the time, uh, they're changing something that we talked in the race meeting, but it has changed during the race. So the the, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to question for two reasons. One, you're questioning what are you seeing that I'm not, uh, and second of all, you are actually trying to see how much the guy has. The confidence in his decision, and that's mm-hmm. the, the 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 role that uh, the strategist and the driver play. Like, it, with my experience, my question was always direct to my strategist, and the way he replied, I could judge if that was a good idea or not. If he didn't reply, even if he was faking it, even if he wasn't sure, but he gave me a convincing tone. I would go for it. If it didn't, I would ask again, are you sure? And that's when uh, things started. And you're talking about why you're driving at 200 miles an hour. You've got a, probably one lap before you pit and, and so on. So, And a lot of the questions sometimes happens after the fact, which it doesn't really matter. You're kind of like just asking a stupid question to your strategy. It's like, why did you do that? Well, because I had to. You know what I mean? It's like, we, you're not coming back in for us to change it. So just... Put your head down and drive. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's we always overreact. Well, it, it, when you were describing your reaction in the cockpit, it brought to mind probably the most famous illustration of that. You remember Rick Gallus and the Gallus Racing Team and Al Unser Jr. They were matched up, and it was one of the early races at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And the Gallus car with Unser in it was in the lead. But everybody knew that he was going to run out of fuel. And I was there monitoring the radio when Al Jr. asked Gallus, how many more laps can we go? And he said, we're not stopping. And Al questioned that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Gallus replied with such conviction that Al bought into it. That's only to and only to benefit. About four or five laps later, with a yellow flag, okay, and that gave them the margin that they needed. And afterwards, after victory lane, 
you had to laugh because Al goes to his good friend Gallus and says, you lied to me. He said, no, it I all didn't. turned out right, didn't it? Right. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. They only tell us, you know, you're driving, the, your nerves are like so high, your, your adrenaline, and you, you like basically giving you all you have. And sometimes I like when they hide things from me. You know, I mean, there are so many other things happening. I've only got to experience that this past two years, going to watch Jimmy's race and sitting at the pit box. I'm like, did you guys act like that when, when I was racing as well? <laughs> I said, yeah, all the time. Like, man. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and it's interesting how, you know, it's always like, I actually, I'm convinced, Jack, that if one day, if I ever own a team, I want my strategist, or not even the strategist, but the guy that talks to the driver, whoever that's going to be, um, you can call him the team manager, whatever that role is in the team is going to have to have a degree in psychology because that, I think, it makes a huge difference. On makes a big difference. No, I, I would agree. Well, we've come to the end of the road. Laguna Seca, literally the last race of the 2022 campaign. By this time next week, we'll be celebrating a championship. We'll be celebrating a rookie of the year winner. But until then, uh, my thanks to Jay Fry, president of IndyCar, for dropping by. And uh, if you want more motorsports conversation and specifically more IndyCar interviews, be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. This week, I visit with Portland's winner, Scott McLaughlin, and his Thirsty Three team. It's Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel, and it's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Now, the executive producer of Brick by Brick is Rob Jamella. Our normal producer is Nate Lee, but he is on vacation this week. So special thanks goes out to Nate's hand-selected fill-in, Andrew Chelney, who steps in for Nate while Nate is on his European vacation. For my partner, Tony Kanan, I'm Jack Aroot, reminding you, make sure that you join us next week when we talk about the championship for 2022 of the NTT IndyCar Series, right here on Brick by Brick.